Hi, this is Maxi Contenti, the director of The Last Matinee, and you're listening to The Graveyard Show. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am the caretaker, host of the program. And uh, for those of you that are new listeners, uh, welcome to the program. It's nice to have you here. Uh, for those of you that are um, returning listeners, um, you're probably wondering um, what's going on, why the uh, show has a different open. And I'm going to get into that in just a second. This is actually uh, the second recorded open I've now done for the show. Um, I was all prepared to put the show together um, about a few days ago and, um, current events have compelled me to, um, change how I open and close and and actually do the show today. Uh, so please bear with me while I just, um, kind of talk about some current events for a few moments here. Um, so, uh, it's been hard enough for everybody with the Delta variant going around and uh, we're seeing a lot of cases uh, happening, people passing away. Uh, that was tough enough. Uh, now here in the United States, uh, we are currently um, dealing with a hurricane that is um, cutting basically up the center of the country. Um, Louisiana was hard hit uh, by Hurricane Ida and uh, you basically have New Orleans without any power. Um, and it's just been really tough. The, uh, hurricane is, uh, looks like it's heading up towards, um, uh, Tennessee, uh, looks like parts of Georgia and Mississippi will get, uh, some rains and, uh, winds, uh, Memphis, Nashville, all the way up to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. looks like they're all going to be affected by this, uh, possibly even the Northeast with rain. Uh, so this has been a tough couple of days. Um, really tragic when you have loss of life uh, to natural disasters like this. So if you're listening to this program and you're from those areas, just know that uh, we've been thinking about you here on the program and wish you all the best and um, please stay safe. Uh, The biggest current event story um, of the last week, well, actually the last couple months, has been what's happening in Afghanistan. Uh, I'm not going to go on any kind of political discussion here or talk. Uh, that's not what this is about. This is something that I want to talk about from a human point of view. Um, we lost 13 um, service members of the United States military uh, a few days ago uh, from a suicide bombing. Actually, a, it was double suicide bombing in Afghanistan. I know all of you have heard about this already. Um, it was incredibly sad. Uh, you're talking about... Um, young, I mean, kids that lost their lives doing what they could to help people out and to um, really do what they could to try to, uh, you know, help people that needed it. Um, And, you know, they are real heroes. Um, They are braver than I have ever been. Um, And it's just so sad. Uh, I just couldn't uh, do this show normally and just be like, hey, everybody, welcome to the program. Everything's great. Um, this is something that's incredibly sad. You're talking about families that have lost their sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, cousins, nieces, nephews, 
friends who have lost their friends. Um, maybe uh, some of them were husbands or wives or partners. Um, this has been incredibly sad, and it's just been devastating. Um, I mentioned this also because um, one of my guests from a few months ago, uh, Maureen Whelan, uh, posted a really sad story on social media uh, a few days ago as well. Uh, one of the uh, victims, Lance Corporal uh, Dylan R. Marola, who was killed in the suicide bombing, who was a Marine, um, was the stepson of a friend of Maureen's. And um, I know the family had set up a GoFundMe page uh, to help pay for the funeral. Um, and all I would say is that if any of you out there are able to contribute anything to any of these families, um, if you can do so, I know they would greatly appreciate it. And um, these are all people who sacrifice, not only those who serve, but their families as well. Um, and this has just been just so devastating. And um, it really has affected me and uh, a lot of our friends and family as well. Um, this has just been really rough. So please keep them in your thoughts and prayers if you pray. And if you don't pray, if you can send good thoughts and love uh, to all the family and friends of all of these um, brave service people, um, I think that would be greatly appreciated by everyone. Uh, let's uh, keep their memories alive and let's honor them by thanking them for their service. Um, in lieu of this, I'm not going to do a lot of the traditional um, things that you would normally hear on this show um, because I don't feel that it's appropriate, this particular podcast. So um, you, the show will be done a little differently um, uh, uh, for this podcast. So uh, I thank you for indulging me on this, and um, I appreciate it. Um, it's really, there's really no segue to get to this. So, uh, before I get to, uh, my interview with Maxi Contenti, who is here to discuss, uh, his film, uh, The Last Matinee, which, uh, as of August 24th was available on digital VOD and Blu-ray. Um, I just want to say that if you'd like to follow the Graveyard Show podcast on Slasher, the handle is at Graveyard Show Podcast. That's at Graveyard Show Podcast. And if you would like to email the program, you can do so at gyspodcast at gmail.com. That's gyspodcast at gmail.com. All right. Um, as I said, Maxi Contenti is here. So let's get right to him. Uh, my guest is here, and it's time for me to get to work. Well, there's nothing like spending a rainy day inside of a movie theater catching a matinee. The only problem is when a killer who is on the loose is also taking refuge in that same theater. Well, that's the plot of The Last Matinee, and beginning on August 24th, it will be available on VOD, digital, and DVD. Joining me now is the writer and director of the film, Maxi Contenti. Maxi, it's great to have you on the program. Welcome inside the graveyard. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, let's talk about The Last Matinee. So The Last Matinee was uh, a selection at uh, Stitches, uh, Panic Fest, among many other different festivals. Um, plus, it won the uh, Best Latin America Fantastic Film at the Curtis Film, uh, I'm sorry, at the Curtis Festival uh, du 
uh, Imashinaro. I'm sorry, apologize for the horrible pronunciation. Um, but I wanted to congratulate you on the success um, of the film. So that has to feel really awesome. Yes, uh, thank you. Yeah, Imaginario. Thank you, yes. <laughs> Imaginario is the, is the way. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a wild ride, uh, especially with the well, 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 what happened in last year, right? Uh, it was really wild. We finished, the, we, we, we shot the movie in 2019 and we finished it up uh, in the middle of the pandemic. And then we started traveling with, I, I, I went to festivals, the ones who were still, uh, you know, physical, like stitches, and some were virtual and I was there too in, in the virtual round. And it was a wild ride. Still is. Still moving around. Still having some some moving around festivals. But now we are getting close to to the to the premiere around and streaming. And well, it's been in uh, limited release in theaters in the U.S. And that was quite something too. Can't wait for the for the 24th when it comes out widely. So, um, at what point? Uh, did you realize that filmmaking was something that you wanted to do? Well, that was when I was a kid. There wasn't a specific. Uh, I was really into movies. I was really into horror movies. I got really scared, but then I went. I went back and wanted more. And um, uh, but it was at nine years old when I went to see Jurassic Park in one of these. Uh, uh, theaters just like the one we we shot the movie in the center of Montevideo once they came out of that movie I knew that what I want to make what I want to do with my life was making movies so yeah I was I was hooked completely uh, from from then on so as far as influences uh, as far as maybe directors or maybe even movies uh, who would you say or what films would you say were big influences on on you um, at first, of course, it was uh, very much uh, 80s Hollywood and Spielberg and Zemeckis and all that uh, factory of really imaginative and fantasy films. And in the horror area, John Carpenter. And I also like that. Well, I pretty much I'm talking of, of, of a, a sort of same generation, but in some sort of, you know, spectrum of it and very much uh, American filmmaking in Hollywood. That was the first. And then I, I tap on European films later on. But yeah, what hooked, what hooked me, what, what hooked me uh, from the beginning was, uh, I guess, uh, genre films and entertainment. Uh, that's for sure. And I guess uh, it's still uh, it's where my, my core love for film is uh, that's where my, where my heart beats the most uh, I really like uh, uh, the rights the, the and emotions that uh, fantasy and film can bring, the imagination that they can, they can you know, bring about So let's talk about your film The Last Matinee so uh, the story, how did you come up with the story for this film? The story came at first, it was actually the inspiration was uh, its location, which is really interesting. I was I was um, working on a commercial in this theater, 
It's a very old theater house called 18 de Julio, and it's in the 18 de Julio, which is like 18 of July. It's the main, is the main uh, street of Montevideo center, right in the center of the city. And I was doing a commercial for the movie day, which is a is, a, is like a day for movies and it's a cultural day in Uruguay. Tickets are cheaper, and you know, go watch movies and all that. That was years ago, but I was doing the commercial in this movie house, uh, this theater, and I looked around the crew, and I went like, "Man, there's a there's a movie call here. <laughs> Something is calling for a horror film inside of kind of like it like it was possessed or something. It was really creepy. It's a big, big movie house. It's one of the last remaining." Now it's it's gone. It's not gone completely, but it's no longer a movie theater house. But uh, yeah, that's how it began. It began from that inspiration, and there, and then, you know, searching the location, I came with okay, uh, I want to make a horror slasher. Uh, I, I I I I went with that subgenre because I wanted a really good local villain. I wanted to create an antagonist from from Uruguay, from Montevideo, that was uh, strong and slasher has ha, have the best villains. So I wanted to, to do that. And the rest of the inspiration for the story came, you know, in a way investigating about other movies in the sub sub genre of movies within movie theater houses. And there's a lot of them uh, in different genres, not only horror, but, um, we found, you know, we, we knew Demony, uh, you know, w w when I was developing. Uh, and so we picked up, okay, let's, let's, let's bring a, I really like giallos and let's bring a giallo scent to it, like the Italian giallos. Let's, let's combine it with this, the American slasher. They're kind of like, you know, siblings in a way. One came before the other. And yeah, that's how it, it, it happened. So yes, so your film uh, has been compared uh, or has uh, labeled. Labeled, yeah. I mean, it's a neo jello. Uh, yes, I, I, I can agree with that. Yes. but it's not a jello. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, it's not. But it's interesting that you mentioned Damony because um, watching the film, that was one of the first um, films that came to mind. There were some really interesting moments in there. I'm like, oh yeah, this is this really reminds me of Damony. Uh, and I was wondering if you had seen the film. Um, so as far as like um, the film is, an, uh, some some people are calling it an homage to slasher and giallos. Um, how how was it as a filmmaker uh, knowing these films and being influenced by these films, yet still trying to make a movie that's uh, your own film? How how hard was that trying to do that? Well, uh, yeah, I I. One of the main inspirations that I, I always picked up is kind of my my personal experiences, and this movie I I like. Well, it was it was in a way inspired by a location, but it, it's a location that I knew from very young because these movie houses were the first. This particular one was one of the first ones that I went as a kid to watch movies, so I knew it, I knew it by heart, and I knew and, and that's how it came. Also, the the other main um, subject of the story, which is the 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 era, the time that the movie unfolds, is the '90s when I was a kid and I fell in love with with movies. So 
it's a, it's a time travel story for me too, to a different era. And I, I wanted to also recreate how it felt that era. It's kind of like, uh, it's a slow burn movie. It's very classical in a way. It takes its time. It, it, it asks the, the, the audience for some patience, but also the 90s were a slower era. Uh, we were more innocent. It was a more simpler yeah. time as any other era before the one we are living now is. But yeah, I wanted to also bring that. And so uh, I, I always bring uh, my own personal experiences and my... Uh, I, I get inspired by, by my experiences and whatever I, I come up, I come around and real life events and stuff like that. So that was something that, that I, that I, I always, you know, pushed and I like also to combine, I guess, with uh, the imaginative, very imaginative worlds from film. Mm-hmm. And so I pick up and combine real things from my life and, and, and experiences with just wild rides of films that I love. I guess those are the sort, the sort of, uh, you know, inspirations and combinations that ha- the, the movie has. Yes. Well, I, I, what I was really impressed is that you did decide to go with practical effects in this film. Um, how much or what kind of challenges... Uh, did that create working with practical special effects? Well, they do are, they're harder to make, of course, but they're worth it. Um, I wasn't sure, I I wasn't really sure that we could pull it off all practical. We did, but that was thanks to our uh, BFX director, Christian Gruas, who pulled it off. Uh, All the horror practical effects, well, I mean, they were all practical in the, in the horror aspect. We did a lot of cleaning up for and post-production for bringing up the 90s and the marquees and all that. And there's a lot of, of that, of, of, of image enhancement on, on, that, on that aspect. But the horror uh, effects are all practical. And I think it's something, I think we, we, we already passed the time where um, movies, you know, that we were surprised with the possibilities of CGI. And now it's another tool in, you know, in, to, to, to be able to use and to, to use wisely. So I think going back to practical and the old school, it's also, um, it's also worth it because it's, it's, it's more believable in many ways. Something that is shot and it's on camera feels completely different. Blood on CGI doesn't work yeah. <laughs> at all. No. Skin <laughs> and all that. It doesn't work. I actually, I, I, I can say this because I try. I went in a way, okay, okay, we need a little bit more. Let's put something. And I took it out because it didn't work. So there's no CGI blood here. And I think it's, uh, uh, we are not on a point uh, in, in film history and in special effects and all that, that we need to combine the tools. We, we need to, to, to make better movies. Uh, uh, we, need, we, need, uh, we need that. Not everything has to be made on CGI because you can. It's not, it's not the best tool for everything. It's not. 
True. So it's, yeah. it's good to it's good to to go back and to rescue the the the, the old ways and combine them in the best way possible for I, the story. I agree. Um, uh, one of the ones that I loved, one of the effects that I loved was the, um, throat slit and then the cigarette smoke <laughs> coming out of it. And I thought, <laughs> I thought, wow, what a nice little touch right there. <laughs> that was just so perfect. So really kudos, kudos to that. That was just, and it's so memorable. Yeah. Though, um, another thing that I didn't mention, that's also kudos for the special effects team it's when when you go practical, you don't have many, many, many shots. I mean, it takes more time, right? Everything gets really messy, and and prep time is, is longer than if you do, you know, some green screen shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so and so, all the effects you see are either first or second, or maybe third take. Because we didn't have much time for a fourth take. It was like either either you got it at the first time, you rehearsed, and then you shot it. Just like you know, just like on film. Either you you, you get it right the first time, the second time, or better better get it right on the third, because then you're you're just losing time for the next scene. I was running with we were we, we, our shoot was really short. It was uh it was a month, 24 day shoot. Wow. For this kind of movies, it's really uh, it's a short time. Wow, it is. So, that is. Um, so, yeah. One of the things that really stood out for me, too, was the photography. Um, your DP uh, was uh, Benjamin Silva. Uh, he's also relatively young in his career. So, um, how did the two of you talk about shooting this film? Because there's some really great shots when you have the killer walking up to the top of the stairs and you have the uh, uh, screen uh, in front of him, or in, it's in front of him, but in the background of the shot, and you have this really great silhouette of him. So uh, how long did the two of you discuss shooting the film? Yes, we, uh, we discussed and worked uh, the, the, the style of the film for uh, for a very long time because production and pre-production and financing uh, it takes time everywhere. But when it comes to genre films and when it comes to uh, outside industry, you know, independent filmmaking and in Uruguay and in Latin, Latin America, it t- takes more time and it's harder. So we had some time to you know go to the location, check it out, and 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 think and he and pre-visualize in a way how it was going to look. What we didn't have was time when we were shooting. So we better had, had it, I mean, he better got it right, uh, uh, right there. And he didn't have much time to prep the lighting for like, we didn't have much uh, gear to prep uh, one set and the other one next. So you don't, so you have more time to shoot. You had to prep one and then, uh, pick up all the gear and prep the, the other the other angle. So uh, we had to be kind of like very much uh, connected in a in 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 a way. Uh, we are friends also, and we work in another in another in other projects before. But we we had to be very you know uh, telepathic about it. Sure. <laughs> like okay, let's do this this take, and then. We had to cut some angles and some shots because we didn't have much time. And so just looking at each other and say, okay, we do a close-up here, master shot here, 
just prep everything and and go and then and, and we work it out but he was a trooper and he was really really very much into it and he, he nailed the what he did nail was the theater being a theater cinema theater look just the the the, the right amount of lighting and and darkness not pitch black but you could i mean with the projection and, and the, the cinema look he really he really got it that was that was all him himself yeah it looks really yeah i mean it really looks fantastic um i'm sure it was not easy uh working in that theater um was the theater still an, uh, a working theater or was it just closed and you guys had run of the place yeah we actually used two locations the main one the theater uh the one that inspired the film it was already uh closed so we rented the place and we camped there the whole production was moved there and and, and that was our base we 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 had our catering catering uh, and and all the the production uh the, the the special effects team had its place there everything was 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 being done in that location but the exteriors and the ticket booth. I didn't have that in that location, but I did have another movie theater that is actually the last one remaining in the in this in, in Montevideo, the, the, like old school theater, uh, and all that uh, part of the gallery, the stairs, all the exteriors. You know, exteriors, you know, in a way, were shot in in this other location, and that movie house was still working. So we had to do night shoots. Oh, those <laughs> and, were always fun. Oh yeah. And that and that was that was hell, yeah, for the crew. Because we had to um, we had to arrive and start prepping and people were coming out of the movie theater. Yeah. And and that was something. Uh, we set the fire alarm once uh, uh, on and brewing someone, uh, Lion King, uh, no. <laughs> the new one, and and people were calling the police because they thought they saw a stain of you know like a big stain in the floor of blood or just a mannequin, <sighs> a dead a dead mannequin in the floor, and we were you know saying no no it's a movie we're shooting a movie, so yeah and and night shoots are really tough. But yeah, we needed that location to combine uh, the two to make this uh, fully fleshed '90s uh, movie movie theater house. So yeah, it was it was tough for the for the night shoot part. Uh, those are, yeah, I, I yeah, those are just nightmares. Um, I know you have to go. If anybody wants to follow you on social media, is there any place where you are that they can follow? Yes, right now I'm in Instagram. Uh, you can find me as Maxi Contenti, which is easy and then the same and i'm on twitter awesome well uh, the last matinee it's uh available on vod digital and dvd starting august 24th uh maxi contenti uh has been uh joining us here uh talking about his film maxi hey it's a real pleasure to meet you uh online uh thank you so much congratulations on the success uh thanks for joining me here on the program uh look forward to having you back down the road a pleasure thank you so much thank you so much thank you so much and again, I'd like to thank Maxi for joining me here on the program. It was really nice meeting him um, virtually. 
and I really do look forward to having him back on the program uh, again down the road. And uh, the last matinee, again, is available um, on VOD, digital, and Blu-ray. Um, you know what's crazy is that um, I can barely handle speaking English, <laughs> and, and me fumbling in Spanish is just sad. But not as sad as hearing me try to speak French. <laughs> Uh, I I should be legally outlawed uh, from speaking French because I sound like uh, some guy from Jersey, which actually I am. But um, yeah, uh, there are just certain languages. I, I I'm pretty. I've gotten better in with Spanish, but um, uh, French is just oh gosh, abysmal. Uh, just totally abysmal. Um, okay, well as I uh, begin to uh, close down the show. Um, I would just like to remind you uh, of my other program that I do uh, called Catacombs of Horror. It is available on the Graveyard Show Podcast's YouTube channel. And uh, you can just find the playlist Catacombs of Horror. There are two episodes. The latest episode is um, my favorite scenes from the film Count Yorga Vampire. So check that out uh, and uh, leave comments, uh, suggestions on there, all kinds of stuff. Coming up on the next podcast, I'm going to be joined by Ben Scrivens, who is the man behind uh, the awesome T-shirts, Fright Rags. So he's going to join me to discuss um, how he uh, how he created Fright Rags, what was the motivation behind it, um, and maybe uh, maybe he'll give us a little sneak peek as to what we can expect uh, in September and what merchandise will be coming out in October. Ah, yes. Uh, let's see if he'll. Uh, give up any of the goods uh the graveyard show podcast is available on apple podcasts spotify iHeartRadio, stitcher and uh, wherever podcasts exist and as i just mentioned the program is also found on youtube as well all right my friends um i look forward to seeing you very very soon until next time Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Darren T. Hoover, 31. Marine Corps Sergeant Johanny Rosario Picardo, 25. Marine Corps Sergeant Nicole L. Gee, 23. Marine Corps Corporal Hunter Lopez, 22. Marine Corps Corporal Deegan W. Page, 23. Marine Corps Corporal Umberto A. Sanchez, 22. Marine Corps Lance Corporal David L. Espinoza, 20. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared M. Schmitz, 20. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Riley J. McCollum, 20. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Dylan R. Marola, 20. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Kareem M. Nikui, 20. Navy Hospitalman Maxton W. Soviak, 22. Army Staff Sergeant Ryan C. Naus, 23. 13 Heroes.